Welcome to the Colorful Kid Podcast, episode 12. We got a, we're short a man today, so it's just me and Rafa from Food Mets, <clears throat> from FMF State of Mind. And uh, we're going to start off talking about those Europeos, and then we're going to spend the rest of the podcast on about Liga MX and all the hot topics. Uh, so first things first, let's just talk about Chicharito back after the month-long break. Um, Bayer's currently in fifth place. They're behind uh, Borussia. I think they're behind Borussia for fourth place, but they're behind by two points. Uh, Rafa, you think this uh, winter break came at like the worst possible time for Bayer? Yeah, that that's one argument. Uh, it's the timing was just way off. Chicharito was you know, scoring goals left and right. Uh, it sort of puts a pause to things. It's it's not ideal, but at the same time, it does give the team. Uh, time to to rest, charge up their batteries, get back into it. And Hoffenheim, I mean, is their next opponent. They'll they'll play on Saturday. Uh, it, it's a good barometer to see how 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 well they do right after the break. I know they were very active in the Florida Cup these past few games. I think Chicharito scored two goals in one of the games. Uh, but it, it could be worse for for Bayer. They could be facing a, a really tough team or a tougher team. I, I'd say. Uh, right after the break, uh, but this is this is good. We'll see if if Chicharito can keep it up this year. Uh, I certainly hope so. Uh, I think all you know everything points that that he will go ahead and, and, and do well. Uh, but yeah, uh, unfortunately, the the break kind of just put a stop uh, to things. But you know, is at the end of the day, it might be a good thing. It it. it you know, Chicharito was carrying a whole bunch of games. Uh, certainly, changing countries is not easy. Uh, there is that, and the fact that he was playing almost every single game for Bayer Leverkusen. So a break is not bad. So it could work both ways. But uh, at the end of the day, I think it, it doesn't really matter. Chicharito is going to keep scoring goals, and that's my opinion. <laughs> and just for anyone anyone wondering, Bayer is in fifth place with twenty seven points. Bayern Munich is in first place with forty six points with a plus 38 goal difference. So, realistically, the best they can do is probably third place because Borussia Dortmund is in second place and they're at 38 points. So, Yeah, there, there isn't much challenge there. We, we all know Bayern Munich is going to run away with this title. Uh, but it, it's all about getting that Champions League place for Bayer Leverkusen. Uh, I think there's no other question about it. And that's uh, all Chicharito. Anytime they ask Chicharito about the goals, he's like, "It doesn't matter. We gotta get, we gotta get top four. He said that multiple times, and in the million of interviews he did when he was in Florida. Yeah, it, it's an economical boost for the team. Yeah, it's a thing about prestige about it. Uh, just being in the Champions League is it just gives you puts you on another level. Uh, everybody wants to play Champions League. Uh, Chicharito himself said that the reason he came to buy Leverkusen because uh, of Champions League, so it, it's certainly not impossible. Uh, again, they're they're playing Hoffenheim, which I just you know I just saw that they're last place in the Bundesliga. Uh, it, it's it's a good setting for them to set the tempo for what will be uh, 2016. Uh, and again, fourth place is not something or top four. Finish is, is something that's not impossible for Bayer Leverkusen. Uh, the Borussia, I think, will be the the tougher one. 
Uh, Hurth, though, has, has been having a, a really good season, but uh, exactly how will they be able to maintain that, that tempo for 2016? Uh, but it's doable. I think uh, once Chaito gets going, it, it's not something that, that looks impossible for by Leverkusen. And it seems like they're going to hang on to Kiesling. The rumors were at the right before the break that they might be sending selling him off, but it seems like he's going to stick around at least through the summer, and they're going to try to build a partnership between him and Chicharito that worked pretty well the last couple games. After when it, they started off together, it was I didn't like it. Many fans were you know in my on my side that the partnership with Kiesling and Chicharito was not working out back in September August, but. You know, just to close out the first half of the Bundesliga season, they were clicking on all cylinders, those two. Yeah, no, I agree. When I think we spoke briefly about this in the last podcast. Uh, it just, just wasn't working out with Kiesling and Chicharito up front, but uh, these past few games were, were quite impressive with both of them on the field. Uh, that certainly gives Bayer Leverkusen a, a different dimension up, up front. Uh, and again, it's just a matter of them getting a Champions League place. Uh, they have the players to do it. They have Bellarabi. They have Chalanoglu. Uh, they have Kramer uh, in the defensive midfield role. Uh, they have a talented team. Then they have some youngsters on the defense as well. Uh, it This team looks like they're just good enough to be in the Champions League. Uh, now, will they be able to hang on to this talent come next season? Uh, I don't know. There's already rumors Chicharito's leaving. I mean, He's not going to go anywhere. I, I don't think so as well, but... Uh, Unless when it someone comes, to, comes in and it's like, here, here's $50 million, I don't see when, him leaving. Yeah, but when it comes to teams like, like Bayer Leverkusen, who uh, have such a strong core of players, which uh, a very young core of players, uh, actually, when we talk about Chalanoglu and Balarabi, uh, there will be potential suitors for them. There will be people offering big money for them. Uh, Chicharito certainly no stranger to the Premier League, and that's where the bulk of rumors is coming from, so... I wouldn't be surprised if we see more headlines of uh, certain teams in the Premier League interested in Chicharito. I, I agree with you, though. Uh, I don't think he'll leave. I mean, let's be honest. They, they're selling enough Chicharito kits to hold them over for the next couple of seasons. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think every single day they were in Florida Cup, I saw a new article with Chicharito doing another interview and another interview in Spanish, in English. I think they got back their transfer fee just in the promotion alone the last couple of weeks. Yeah. You're probably right. The The marketing impact is just huge. Yeah. yeah. And good luck trying to get a Chicharito jersey. They're, I don't even know where you can get them. I think you have to order them from Germany still because every store I've seen in America doesn't have them. They just has the blank buyer kits. But uh, sliding a little bit farther down the Bundesliga standings, we go down to uh, all the way down to 14th place. And Marco Fabian's a new team. Eintracht Frankfurt, they had their own training camp in uh, Dubai, and Marquito, he had a couple of nice goals. Yeah, he he scored twice. Uh, I think, he, again, now, again, we move down the table a little bit. Uh, for them, it's more about salvation and uh, avoiding Bundesliga 2 or moving down and, uh, and getting relegated. I don't know much about Frankfurt, but I do know that uh, they got a couple of new players along with Marco Fabian. Uh, it will be interesting to see just how fast it, it, it takes for Marco Fabian to adapt to the league. Uh, one thing I'll say about Marco Fabian and just Liga Amekis or Mexican players in general, 
I think te technically speaking, uh, Mexican players are, are on par with most players in the world. So uh, I think he'll win more admirers than than I think a lot of people expect. Just because technically speaking, he, he's a very good player. I think he has enough, just technically speaking, to be a starter with Frankfurt. Uh, but it's just a matter of him... Um, Doing consistency. it, show, consistency. Yeah, I think consistency that's always been the issue with him. And showing it on, on the stat sheet, it's one thing, you know, doing uh, amazing moves and giving amazing passes. But if you don't get that that one assist, that one goal, uh, there's little the manager's gonna, little patience the manager will have for you, especially in a league like the Bundesliga, which is as competitive as it is. Even if it's Frankfurt, we're talking about. Uh, but it, it's a good start. I, if you saw the two goals. Uh, you know they were nice, especially the second one. Uh, it was just the patience of of him finding the space to to get that shot off and eventually scoring that goal. Uh, but it's a matter of him again. You, you said it right. It's a matter of consistency. Uh, if he gets the playing time, we've spoken extensively about Raúl Jiménez and taking his opportunity and getting that playing time because we know Raúl Jiménez is a good player. It's the same thing with Marco Fabian. We know he, he he's a talented guy. We know. We've seen it. We've seen him score velocities. We we know what he's about, but it's just a matter of him getting the chance and getting on the statue, getting that goal, getting that assist, and, and the playing time will come. And I think one, a couple things that, and I know we talked about this before, but a couple things that are huge in his favor is is just it's not a typical January signing. You know, with the Bundesliga having that month long break, it's like he had a preseason with his team. Yeah. He's not thrown in there. Oh, here's a press conference. Let me show you my jersey. Oh, three days later, we got to go play Bayern Munich. You know, it's like they had the month long. He's going to the team that wants him. He's going to a coach that has been after him for two years. That's huge. And when you go into a European club, that a coach that wants you. You know, no, it's not like he's going to a team that, hey, this Mexican guy, will, you know, get us some press. Let's bring him over here. And the coach is like, I don't want him. No, you spoke correctly. Uh, he basically had a preseason with the team. So he got to know his teammates. Uh, he got a couple of friendlies on, under his bag already. So... It, I think we should be excited about Marco Fabian. I am excited. Honest. I just hope yeah. I just hope they don't put the games on at the same time as Chicharito. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I think they'll they'll play Sunday, correct? This, yeah, they this play Sunday, Sunday at eight at nine thirty Eastern, and yeah. uh, Chicharito plays at nine thirty Eastern on Saturday. So set your DVRs. I'm sure. I, I believe they play against each other in uh, late or middle of April. So I'm sure that'll break the record for highest Bundesliga TV ratings. <laughs> Fox is loving that. Fox. Fox Deportes is loving it. <laughs> but yeah, he's got the... I, I, I'm excited for him. He's got everything going. It's a perfect move. Maybe people say a couple years too late. But it's not like he's 34 years old, you know? He's still yeah. young. Yeah, uh, I guess... Uh, speaking about it, maybe he's he's more mature now than, yep. than in the past. And, and that helps a bit. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see how, how he does... Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited. How do you feel uh, about him playing in the? They've been playing. I don't know. If it's a four-three-three or or a four-two-three-one. But I know they've been playing him on the left wing. From what I saw in, the, in that friendly where he had the two goals. Yeah. They play him mostly on the left wing, but I saw him switching back between left and right wing. No, we know about Marco Fabian. His best position is probably through the middle. Uh, that's where he he's best at. Uh, but. It's just so tough. We talk about it with with Chivas and when he played in Chivas and 
with the Mexico national team when he had his chances. It, with the way the game is played nowadays, it's just so hard to find a player or a formation where you can put a player in through the middle and, and have him do, do his thing. Uh, it's difficult now, especially when, when you're coming in as a team. Uh, we spoke how, how he already had preseason with, with Frankfurt, but uh, you can't just come in and say, look, we got a new guy. Let's change our complete solid play for this guy when you know he's just untested. Uh, even if he has to play through the left or through the right or wherever he has to play, uh, again, it's just a matter of him uh, adapting and uh, and doing what he does best. Uh, the great players can, you know, you hear coaches say this all the time. The great players can adapt to to almost any position you put them in. Of course, you're not going to put a striker as a defender, but I think uh, Jurgen has. But, well. <laughs> Uh, well, he's a special case, but, but when it comes to midfielders and even forwards, it doesn't matter where you play him. A, a good midfielder or, or a good player in general will find a way to to play in any position you, you put him in. And uh, I think he's I th- he has experience playing all across yeah, the midfield, you know, especially on the left. He yeah. he's played on the left before. If I'm not mistaken, he's played there with Chivas and yeah. uh, and Cruz Azul. Yeah. And he likes to cut in on his right foot. Yeah. So. Exactly. So he's definitely no no stranger to that position. Uh, but it will be interesting ju- just to see how, how he evolves, where, where exactly he plays. Uh, I'll be taking note on, on Sunday for sure. Uh, but he's again, he's a talented player. He, if, if he's determined enough to show what he has, uh, it doesn't matter if he's playing on the left or the middle or the right, he'll go ahead and show it. Uh, but we'll see. Yeah, I'm excited for him, so... All right. And uh, and we touched briefly on uh, you were talking about Raul Jimenez and uh, uh, before we get into him, I was reading some transfer rumors. That's what you do in January. Well, you do every every day. But uh, Mitroglou, he's actually only on loan at Benfica, and uh, there's rumors of a couple of clubs coming in for him in January. But they're going to hold on to him. There are a couple because he's technically still owned by Fulham. So, by Fulham, yeah. So it seems like he's going to go back to Fulham, whether he plays a game for them or not. But I think they're going to get rid of. Fulham is going to probably just sell him off in uh, the summer, but I mean, if he's it just shows right there. Coach has confidence in Jimenez, and it's going to stick with it. And I think going forward, they're going to play Jimenez more because they have him under a four or five year contract, so they know he's going to be there. Whereas Mitroglou, he's going to be gone in like four or five months. Yeah, uh, that's interesting. Just because Mitroglou, I think is is a very good player. Oh yeah, he's good. I, I think he. I mean, he's arguably one of the better players in, in Benfica. Uh, but you just said Fulham own his his rights as a player. But that does open the door for Raul Jimenez, who's been doing well. Uh, if you saw, goals. Yeah, and he's given a couple assists. Um, with Raul Jimenez, again, it, it's exactly the same as Marco Fabian. It's just a matter of him uh, getting there and doing what he's doing right now, which is getting on the stat sheet, scoring goals, getting assists. Uh, I saw. I actually saw a picture where it said that uh, uh, making fun of Atletico Madrid a bit, where Raul Jimenez has more goals than than all the strikers Atletico Madrid brought in, not combined, but just individually, yeah. uh, which is kind of interesting if if you pay attention to it, because Atletico Madrid ended up not having that that amount of faith where they kept them around. But I mean, honestly, do we know who owns his rights? I know I've asked this a couple of times, but no one really knows who owns Raul Jimenez's rights. Well, the, <laughs> if if you don't know Portuguese 
uh, football in general is very sketchy in terms of just how agents work there, and because it's such a huge business where oh yeah, uh, players it's a just, league. yeah. So a lot of this, a lot of these dealings that go on are are more agent based. Uh, I know we see it with the Tecatito, which is another one we'll we'll talk about later. Tecatito is pre- practically owned by a company, uh, or part of part of its rights are owned by uh, a company which actually has been implicated with the whole FIFA thing. Uh, so that's um, that's one thing. But yeah, I, I don't know. I know um, what's his name the the agent for Cristiano. Yeah, Mendes. The agent for everyone in Portugal, basically. Yeah. Um, I heard that he had bought uh, part of his rights. I'm not sure how accurate think, that is. I think the last thing I heard was he owns 50 per- I The only thing consistent in everything I've heard about Jimenez is that Benfica only owns 50% of his rights. Who owns yeah. the other 50? I think it's a mixture of maybe Atletico and Mendes. I mean, there's also Club America. I'm sure Club America is going to get part of uh, whatever... Benfica get if they eventually sell our old Jimenez. Uh, but uh, before we talk about him leaving Benfica, he just has to go ahead and, uh, and do a bit more. Uh, I think with Mitroglou leaving maybe in the future, there, there's room for for uh, Benfica sort of adapting more towards uh, playing a style that suits Raul Jimenez more, giving him more importance in the lineup or you know, just drawing up plays, I guess, uh, we, to use a basketball term, drawing up drawing up more plays for Raul Jimenez uh, on He's a tactical well side. He's playing well with Jonas. Him and yeah, Jonas, Jonas. working really well together. Yeah, and... and I, think, uh, I think we both said it. He works better with another forward. Yeah, and if you really just look even more ahead, Jonas is on the older side of things yeah. as well. So I wouldn't be surprised if, if Benfica do yeah, Jonas bring in something else. Yeah, Jonas is 31 years old. If they bring in something, somebody else as well, once Mitroglu leaves, if he does leave, uh, I don't know if Benfica have the money to go ahead and keep him. Uh, but the, it, it's just a matter of Raul Jimenez like, doing what he's doing and just getting more goals. Uh, I know they're, they got big games coming up. They're, they're actually still, still quite in the title race now that Porto sort of diminished a bit and Sporting dropped points this past weekend. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk about that a bit later. Well, yeah, real quick. Portugal, uh, Benfica is uh, second with 43 points. Porto has 40, and uh, Sporting has 45. So it's Sporting, Benfica, and Porto. Yeah, it's a three-way race there. And uh, the last five games, Benfica has won five games in a row in the league. Yeah, since I I think the last last time they dropped points was against Sporting, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah. So Benfica's hot right now. Yeah. They're the uniform team in Portugal right now. Yeah. Well, Port Portugal. Let's uh, let's you talk. You touched on it briefly. Let's talk about Port Three over here. Well, it was actually Port Four. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the other day when they uh they brought up Govea and uh, Gudinho for the cup game, which I think they were kind of just throwing in the towel. To be honest, they they don't want to be in that cup anymore. Oh yeah, it, it was just an awful performance. It, it was perhaps one of the worst. Porto performance that I've seen in quite a long time. If uh, anyone didn't bad. see the match and they want to know how bad it was, just think of Chepo, Mexico, and 2013. <laughs> yeah, it, it was bad. I think they're in desperate need of of their new manager to go to come in. Um, they just hired a uh, Jose Pesero. I'm sure I just butchered that name, um, but he's sort of untested. He 
he's not a big name. He's not Jose Mourinho. He's not uh, Villas Boas. He's just, you know, he's played. Actually, he's coached in, in the Middle East, if I'm not mistaken. But he doesn't have a, a very impressive resume. So it, it's quite surprising they brought him in. Yeah. Uh, and no one had any idea. No one, like the only names that were quote unquote leaked were Mourinho and Andres Villavoas, but that that's it. I didn't hear any other names. And next thing I know, oh, there's a new coach, a one and a half year contract with a, a year option. There was even a rumor Marcelo Biasa was in the running, but, yeah. you know, I mean, with all due respect to, to Jose Pacero, uh, he doesn't compare to Marcelo Bielsa or even a Jose Mourinho. So it's quite surprising that, that Porto went ahead and and brought him in. I'm not sure if maybe it's a temporary you know, appointment and they're thinking towards 2016, 2017 maybe. I don't know, which uh, it's a little too early to, to throw in the towel in the league as well. And they yeah. still got Europa League. Uh, I don't know, but... For for the sake of the Mexicans in Porto, I hope they they do well and they improve a bit because it was just a disastrous performance. The last uh, couple of the Yeah, yeah. And when they lost on the weekend, I heard it. I I personally didn't watch the game, but I heard it was it wasn't a pretty performance as well. It was just they, it like the team did not know what to do. It it kept kicking to the wings and then nothing it just it was just a bad performance i saw the whole game so you did not miss much <laughs> yeah you like you finished the game with i'm not even exaggerating i think 15 or 16 crosses into the box oh. so that just that just tells you everything right there uh, i wish I, I knew more about this manager just just to know what kind of style he plays or how Guys like Tecatito or uh, Hector Herrera would fit in. But again, he's just not somebody who, with a very impressive resume or somebody whose style of play is out there for everybody to see. Uh, uh, early early suggestions are that he likes playing a 4-4-2. A 4-4-2, okay. Yeah. And that, that's that's interesting because not a lot of teams play with a 4-4-2 and nowadays. They don't have any strikers that play a 4-4-2. Yeah, with Abubakar and uh, I know they brought in a Korean striker, yeah, I think it was. Suk. And he, he, has to, not, he has to play because uh, Abu Kar got a red card. Yeah, he was not very good on during the midweek. I know it was just his first game and he just got introduced and it's tough, but he he was not very good in my opinion. He was uh, the starting striker for the team that uh, that uh, Davila was on. Yeah, for Vitoria. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I know, but, like I said, Ayun um, was just bombing crosses in the this past weekend, but I think he's having a great season. Uh, last I checked, he had he was up there in terms of most assists by uh, by a defender in Europe this year. I think he's up to at least eleven in all competitions. Yeah, I think Miguel Ayun is uh, undoubtedly a starter. It doesn't matter who the manager is; it could be anybody. Miguel Ayun is going to be a starter for Porto, uh, and he said best. He's having a sensational season in terms of stat wise. I think it's probably his best in his career. Uh, 11 assists is not easy in all competitions. But and it's worth noting, he takes predominantly every single set piece for them. Yeah. Whether it's, it's from the left side or the right side, he does all the corner kicks and he does most of the free kicks, which aren't direct shots. Yeah, it's it's incredible, to be honest. Uh, it's, it's something that even a lot of the 
big players can't can't get that amount of assists uh, as as midfielders, let alone yeah. as defenders. So it, it's incredible that that Miguel Ayun is having such a uh, you know, wonderful season with with Porto, his first season at Porto. Uh, I don't know if we're talking about him being at Porto next season. He just keeps doing this well, to be honest, because that's hard to ignore when when you're looking at you know these pile of stats and you see the guy who has 11 assists as a as a defender or, or as a fullback. Uh, that's hard to ignore. Uh, but well, they, but first they have to buy him. <laughs> yeah, from Watford. <laughs> Watford still still own uh, Miguel Ayun's rights, so. I don't know. It's he, we can't really say much about Miguel Ayun. He's just been incredible. That's uh, I, I hope he keeps it up. I know he, there's absolutely no doubt in my mind he'll be a starter uh, with the new manager in charge. So I think the 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 more question marks are towards Tecatito and Hector Herrera. I, I don't know because there's just so many ways that Porto can play. Uh, so many midfielders with defensive capabilities and offensive capabilities. That I don't know if Ache Ache will will be an immediate starter. That's well, that's I, one of my no, question marks. I know they've been bad the last month, basically, but he's he's actually been okay. He's like the only guy who's been. I don't consider it. Might sound bad, but he's been consistently average for them the last month, month and a half. When everyone else has kind of been let down. I mean, the Wonder Kid Neves, he's just, Neves, yeah. And then uh, Andre Andre has not been anything special. Yeah, you're Ibula right. Has not been anything special. You know, so, and I heard him. Uh, no, go might might leave as well. Yeah, so uh, I keep hearing rumors, but like, I mean, it, it looks. We keep saying he's been okay. You know, Achach has been okay, but everyone else around him has been bad. No, you're right. So, uh, and the indication here was that Achach didn't play on during the midweek. He wasn't even on the bench, so maybe that's a sign that that he's been rested for. This weekend, yeah, but, but they just have so many midfielders with a new coach coming in. You just never know. Yeah, you never know, but it's always a good sign when, even if it was just the interim, he kept he kept the captain's armband. I think that speaks volumes. Yeah, of what and, the team thinks of him, at least you know. No, you're right, and uh, I know he has that rumor where he might go to Napoli. Yeah. I personally don't think Napoli is going to spend that much money for for Herrera, and I don't think the Serie A is the kind of league for for Herrera. Uh, just because the Serie A is more of a slow down league, where let's be honest, Achach is way too young for the Serie A. He's like ten years <laughs> too young. No, you're right. <laughs> he he's a guy who, if I see him leaving Portugal, maybe it would be to to somewhere like Spain or even the Premier League, you, you just never know. I think he'd be perfect for the Premier League. That box to box midfielder. Yeah, but the Serie A is just, you know, this is a country where guys like Pirlo make their name yeah. or made their name. Yeah. Uh, these, this is more of a stop and think and make the right pass kind of league, uh, which is not what Serie is about. Maybe a guy like Andres Guardado would be, be great. But oh, man, you leave him alone. <laughs> And Serie A, but nah, Herrera, I, I don't, I don't see it happening. I don't know about you. No, I don't. I think the rumor. I mean, he's got a forty million dollar or forty million euro buyout clause, and 
at last I heard Napoli was offering 18 million, and that's not going to cut it. Yeah. I mean, Porto's a selling club, but they they demand and they get top dollar for these guys. So, yeah. I think Josh is staying, and I'm okay with that. He's getting more playing time lately. He's been playing. He's playing better. He had that nice back heel goal a couple weeks ago. Yeah, that, that was a beautiful goal. Yeah, that was. Yeah, well, the guy who passed him on the guy who passed him the ball on that goal was Takatito Corona, and I, I mean, I don't. He's kind of not played as much. I don't know, but like like we were saying, like the whole Porto club is just not playing well. So how much is it him, and how much is it the rest of the team? Well, uh, he was actually playing this mid mid weekend. He was one of the brighter players, I'd say, but he just looked out of it as well. I think the whole team just, uh, it has less to do with Ecatito, more just the team. Just The team just looked out of it. It, it looked like a team that was just desperate, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, you made a perfect comparison. They looked like Mexico under Chepo. Uh, I think the other team was just getting into their head. Uh, they looked helpless out there. They they looked like they had no idea what they were doing. It was like, why are you giving me the ball? I, I don't know what to do with it. I mean, and uh, it was obvious they were they were much more talented than the other team, and they yeah. finished the game with on the weekend, uh, not this past midweek, but on, yeah. on Sunday they finished the game with eighty percent of the ball. No, it was the same this midweek. They had arguably probably eighty percent of the and ball. They lost both games. And they lost, yeah. And they, Tecatito kind of was infected with that insecurity of the rest of the team because he just came on and he he was doing Tecatito things. He was just taking on three guys, and then eventually he just died off. It was like. You know what is going on here? I mean, nobody looked on par. Everybody's just lost. No one's it was just a mess. Runs. Yeah, it was just a, a complete mess. It, it, it's a mess of a team. Uh, for the sake of Tecatito, I hope the coach uh, uses him and uses him wisely because he's a very talented player. Uh, when we talk about Tecatito, we also have to talk about Brahimi, who hasn't been very good. Uh, he's sort of also died off a bit. The whole uh, team, man. <laughs> yeah, Even I don't Casillas. know. Yeah, Casillas, that was just, I saw the blunder. I didn't see the game, but that, that was just awful. Uh, so now, I I personally don't think it, it, I think it was the right decision to let Lopetegui go. I think it's just the timing that was way off. Well, I, I don't know. <laughs> it's one of those things where if you fire him, you better have a plan. So, yeah. Uh, and, and I think they fired him, and then they're like, "Oh crap, what do we do?" And this and Lopetegui is the kind of manager who, who, I guess to make a comparison to Liga Mekis, he's sort of like Caixinha. He's a guy who who isn't just about getting on the training field and all right, boss, blah blah blah. Or, okay, bye. No, this guy gets into every little aspect of the players' lives. I mean, not personal aspect, but in terms of nutrition, uh, in terms of talking to players personally, stuff like that. Uh, this guy. You know he has to leave a mark as a manager. So all of a sudden this guy just leaves. It has to have some sort of negative effect to the team, uh, even if some guys maybe weren't very fond of him or whatever the case may be, uh, as it happens with every team. Uh, but you can tell there's something wrong with this team. Uh, they oh, just don't Mexico look good. 2013. Yeah, they, they need just to find don't their Miguel Herrera. Yeah, they need somebody who, who just like lights them up, who you know just. Brings that enthusiasm back, that that alegría, as we yeah. as we say in Spanish, because they just look dead out there. Yeah, and it's not like they're in the old, It's not like they're like buyer where they're in third place, but they're you know, behind by thirty points in the standings. They're only back by five game or yeah. five or six points. It's not like 
They're getting killed. Yeah, they're still in, in the league and they're still in the Europa League. Yeah, but I don't know. I don't know about that. But uh, one of the coaches, one of the main guys that was linked with them was actually um, the head coach for Olympiacos. Okay, the Portuguese coach? Yeah, he was like linked with them and I thought he was going to get the job, but because that was like the only guy outside of uh, Mourinho and uh, AVB that was like seriously linked to them, but like, he didn't come out. And uh, well, we might as well just you know talk about his one of his players that he actually praised the other day, saying he, you know, we need to get him to the point where he can contribute to the team. But the much talked about, not really seen, Alan Pulido. Yeah, he you scored a goal. <laughs> yeah, and he scored a goal. Yeah. It was against a second division team, I think. Yeah, in the cup. Yeah, uh, they had already won four one the first leg, and the game was practically over by yeah. then. But a goal is a goal. Yeah, and he got a start, and then he got his uh, Super League, the Greek first division debut. Yeah. It was five minutes, but yeah. And then now there was an interview with uh, Tigris president who said that. He expects Belida to be suspended between two to six months. He says that's usually what FIFA does in this type of situation. Yeah, we, we've seen it played out for the past few months or so. It seems like FIFA... I think FIFA has already ruled in Tigre's favor. Uh, I'm not sure... It wasn't think, FIFA, it was the court uh, the, of arbitration. Yeah, the, the sports court, whatever it's called. Yeah, the CAS. Uh, yeah. Uh, the name escapes me at the moment. Board of Arbitration Sport. I don't know what it is. Yeah, but the abbreviation, that's what it's known for. Yeah. It just escapes me at the moment. But, yeah. Uh, I think you know a little bit more about it. Didn't they give him uh, some sort of uh, permit or something? Where they, What FIFA does, FIFA gives you a, a temporary ITC, which is what you need to you know register with the whatever FA you're playing with. Like It's pretty much his player card. And so he he got he used that to play for uh, Levadiakos, that yeah. other Greek team, and then that team technically sold him to Olympiakos, which is kind of shady. All because this all started right after the 2014 World Cup, where Olympiakos was the club that wanted him, but they wanted him because they thought he was a free agent. So now after all this yeah. is going on, the rumor of what FIFA is typically does is he'll be suspended a couple two to six months but he, not before the season's over though it won't be ruled on until the summer okay or I it see. might be ruled on but it won't be like he won't have to serve his suspension until i guess starting in the summer and then there's an economic uh punishment as well so bulido levadiakos and olympiakos will get some sort of fine or penalty monetary normally and then now all of this is pretty much putting into question Pulido's loan to MLS because MLS won't do anything unless they get the clearance that they're going to get his ITC from the Greek uh, soccer or FA. So MLS is not going to do anything unless they're pretty much guaranteed that, hey, this is not going to be a problem. So I don't know what's going to happen Pulido. No one ever does. Yeah, uh, I don't know. If you actually go into, well, I saw his Twitter page maybe a few hours ago or so, or and he Was posted he still that. Still retweeting Chivas fans? No, he posted that 
I think it might have been a shot towards towards uh Tigre. yeah towards Tigres. Uh, I don't know if you're in that situation. I think it's best to keep quiet, and that's just my opinion. If I was his manager, first thing I'd do, I'd be like, get off of Twitter and get off of Instagram. Uh, I don't know if the way he has uh, acted out is the adequate way of doing things. Oh, no. uh, regardless of the legal situation he's in and what happens, suspension or not, loan to MLS or whatever has happened or transpired these past few months. Uh, I don't know. For me, it's just... I look at the personal aspect of it as a person. I don't know if I want this guy in my team. He's just acting so childish, to be honest. Yeah, so whatever happens, happens. But at least he's seen the field for what it's worth. But, I mean, speaking of not seeing the field, Memo Choa. There's like 10 days left in the transfer window. And our boy Memo is going to stay where he's been the last two years, the bench. Yeah. Uh, Is there anything more disappointing than memos sticking around? And just to throw, like, just just to throw it us in our faces, Liverpool, the team that he is eternally linked to, gave their goalkeeper Mignolet, who's just been, I think he's been bad, gave oh, yeah. a contract extension. So I just thought that was the cherry on top for Memo Choa. <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean, I'm not a Liverpool fan, but I don't know. Mignolet has been. Very below average, if he's, I'm being he's nice. He always has errors, like these dumb errors, where the ball goes between his legs, or... I don't know, man. He has not been very good. But you reward him with a contract extension. I don't know. Uh, it, you know, you just said it best. It sort of adds... Uh, you just make, like making fun of him. It's like insult to injury right there. Yeah, yeah. you're right. It, I don't know. And then Kamani was supposed to move to... To Watford, but it didn't happen. So and then, and then Watford signed some other goalkeeper. Yeah, Watford are looking for Pantamelion, or yeah, I think that's the same. For, yeah. So, so that just pretty much made it clear that Memo is not going anywhere. Yeah. So he had. I'm not gonna say it, but if he, he's he has to leave, whatever he has to leave this this uh, summer. Listen, I'm not for putting stories on media or whatever, but at this point. I, I'd just be desperate. I, I'd be talking. I'd be doing something. I mean, if we're talking about Puligo. Memo's the one who needs to get on Twitter and say, <laughs> you know, I want to play. I want to leave this team. I, I need some minutes. There's The Olympics are coming up. The Copa America's coming up. And I have nothing. He, you know? he has nothing. Yeah, he's he's not getting any playing time. Yeah, Diogo's not the coach, so he's not going yeah. to get those call-ins. I, I don't know. I'd speak up. I I'd set up a one-on-one interview with somebody and just say, I, would, I want I would, out. I would say, hey, I want to go on loan and pull a Neri Castillo and be like, I'll pay my own loan fee to get out of here. Yeah, it, it's just a desperate situation there. Uh, it's like, have a couple more Allstate commercials, man. Just get some money. <laughs> Start to do a Kickstarter, man. I'll chip in. Yeah, something has to happen. There's 10 days. I'm not seeing him leaving at this moment. I hope that changes. I don't know. Something needs to happen. I'm not getting my hopes up at all. Yeah. But Me whatever. Memo, same same story. Same different transfer window basically. Yep. Yeah. Well, 
let's go back to or let's switch over to Spain where we got Carlos Vela and uh, Diego Reyes. Did you see that article that came out that said Diego that uh, based on some statistical analysis, Diego Reyes is one of the best center backs in Spain? I didn't read it, but I heard about it. Uh, I mean, and when he played the first two months, every single yeah. website I went to that rated people and did that kind of stuff was like, hey, he's one of the best ones, the best ones. He got that dumb red card, sat out a couple games, Moyes got fired, and that's it. That's been it for Diego. Yeah. It's quite disappointing, to be honest. Yeah. And Carlos and, Vela is on the opposite end. He's playing, but he's just not getting any support. Yeah. Uh, I haven't seen many Real games, to be honest, but I'm not entirely surprised. Uh, Vela's been off for a while now. Well, we were, you you're, you mentioned Atletico Madrid's uh, strikers not scoring that many goals, but uh, Antoine Griezmann plays midfield and he's tearing it up, and that used oh, to yeah. be uh, Vela's strike partner. Yeah, he's been he's been amazing for for Atletico Madrid. He's been arguably their best player both in the Champions League and La Liga. But for some reason, Carlos Vela has not been able to replicate what he did a, uh, a year or two ago with, with La Real. He's, he's just struggling out there. Uh, I think we we mentioned it briefly how uh, it's sort of like just give him the ball and then he gets fouled and that's it. The end that's of it. Basically, that's pretty that's, much their plan. Yeah, their plan. <laughs> just give him the ball and get fouled. Get surrounded by three players and get tripped up and that's it and then Mexico fans are like, oh he's not doing anything well he's by himself <laughs> yeah that should that, that could have been a team that Gio would have gone to he would have played at Real Sociedad yeah he wanted to stay in La Liga yeah I, I would have loved to see Gio in La Real uh, I, I don't know uh, I wish I, I'd have more time to watch him play so I could give a better analysis of it but from what I've seen you're it's just that you're completely right. I haven't seen him under their new manager a, a lot per se, but I don't know. Uh, it's a combination back, of not having a a real clear plan and just not having the talent at all. Where, do you know where they are in the table right now? Um, they're they're a little below uh, mid. I think they're in thirteenth place, but. They were even worse earlier in the year. They were in they were in the relegation zone for a bit, actually. Well, they won their last. No. No, they drew against Deportivo. Okay, and they beat a uh, Gary Neville FC, two zero. Yeah, they're struggling. <laughs> okay. But it's just like two years ago they were doing well. They were ch- Champions League. At the very least, they're challenging for Europa League. Well, going back to Diego Reyes, that's the guy who worries me a bit. Since we already talked about just the disaster that's FC Porto, and he's probably going back this this summer. Uh, and yeah, it doesn't no, look pretty. There's no buyback option. Yeah, and it doesn't look pretty. Yeah, I mean, there's still time. Hopefully, I mean, I'm secretly hoping their manager gets fired, but. Uh, I don't know. I mean, every single thing I read saying he's having a good season stat-wise, he just doesn't play. Yeah. I mean, we were also—I was so happy in October saying, "Oh, this guy's turning the corner. He's finally delivering on some of that potential we've been hearing about for so long." 
for me, I think Diego Reyes is the kind of player who who will mature eventually. Uh, we're talking about him getting playing time and just becoming a better player overall. But it's just not coming right now. It's just not happening at the moment. And it's not like the players that are playing in front of Diego are tearing it up either. But I think the time will come. I think Diego Reyes is one player we have to be. Yeah, he's still twenty three years old. Yeah, exactly. And he's got he's he's got he's got this season already. He's got twelve starts. You know, last season he had seven. So he's getting more playing time, but just not lately. I'm not too concerned, but I mean, he's not like I mean. We joke. We talk about Diego. Diego's twenty three. Ochoa has what thirty? Yeah. So time's running. I mean, I know he's a goalkeeper, but time's still running out. That's a race. Will be fine. Yeah, Real Sociedad's in thirteenth place. Uh, one place behind Kameni's Malaga team. And uh, let's stay in Spain, go over to the other Dos Santos, the one who stayed, Jonah Dos Santos. Uh, I don't know if you saw, it's been a, it's been a pretty much MLS media the last couple of days, press days basically, and uh, someone, he mentioned to a reporter that his brother, Gio mentioned to the reporter that his brother once would be interested in coming to LA to play with Gio. Next thing you know, Mexican Twitter is like, Mexican soccer Twitter is like, oh, what is he doing? He's throwing away his career, blah, blah, blah. And I, I've, I've been saying this for years, and I keep saying it. Don't put any stock in anyone saying, oh, yeah, they would be interested in coming here. Because as a player, why would you ever say, no, I don't want to go play in that league? Yeah. So that's just normal stuff. You know, someone asks you, oh, would you be interested? Oh, yeah, I'd be interested. Why wouldn't you be? You don't know. Yeah, you just never know when it'll happen. Yeah, it's not like he's saying, oh, yeah, I'm coming in next window. I'm coming to, you know, or maybe I'm coming in two years at LAFC. Yeah. Well, I, I think it, there's a possibility it'll happen. Not not now, but you just never know in the future, like you said. Uh, just because they they just seem to be like best friends together, Jonathan and, and Joanna. <laughs> yeah. And... I can see it happening. If Gio's comfortable in LA, uh, Jonah will come in, but at the moment, I, I don't see it happening right now at this specific moment, even in six months or so. But you just never know with with how it works, especially with, uh, with Galaxy uh, getting rid of Steven Gerrard this, for next season. So that that will open some cap space, I guess, for free guy like like Jonathan to come in but you know it, it's just an interview he gave and yeah it's just a, it was just a comment not even yeah not it's, putting too much stock in it but yeah, yeah Jonah's having a good season I mean Villarreal is in fourth place in the table in La Liga which is just huge because a lot people don't realize they're a small club yeah they, they're from a really tiny place uh, tiny place that uh, Gio used to joke that there's nothing to do but yeah, play soccer. there's nothing to do there. <laughs> but it's impressive. You said it best. They have a, a really impressive young core of players uh, that we should all keep an eye out for. 
Uh, One of them is currently yeah. at Atletico Madrid. <laughs> yeah. Vieto. Vieto, yeah. Uh, they have this other young uh, Ivorian center back. His name escapes me at the moment. He's just a phenomenal player. Uh, Trigueros, which... Bailey? Yeah. Um, Eric Bailey? Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Uh, he's he's a great player. He, he's one to keep an eye out for. Uh, I know they're, they're forward, and he's another African fellow. And just his name escapes me as well. He's He's been impressive as well. Uh, so Pacambu? Yeah, exactly. I got the I got the squad list up. So yeah, it's from Kanda. Yeah. yeah, he's only twenty four. Yeah, he's he's been great. Yeah, I just have a knack of of getting these young players and uh, exposing them to to the world. Uh, uh, they're they're doing great. Fourth place. Uh, Jonah's getting some playing time. Yeah, it's. I certainly hope they they qualify for the Champions League as well. It'd, it'd be awesome to have another Mexican in the Champions League, uh, but there's a long season ahead still. So. Yeah, but I mean they're they've been well. They've won four out of the last five games via Real. Yeah, it's kind of crazy because they they're in fourth place with forty points, and then above them it's forty three, forty five, and forty seven. And you know the three clubs in front of them are Real Madrid, Barcelona, Atletico Madrid. And all those teams have like Atletico Madrid, which leads with 47 goals or with 47 points. They have a plus 22 in goal difference. Barcelona has plus 35. Real Madrid has plus 38, and then Villarreal has plus 10. <laughs> so, I mean, they have they have uh, the third stingiest defense. Well, more credit for for their coach Marcelino, who's managed to get these points. Uh, and we were joking before that they aren't the most well at least to me they're not the most entertaining team in in the whole wide world they're, they they know their game plan they stick to it they're not going to amaze you with you know ridiculous barcelona like or bayern munich like so- soccer but but they get wins and that's what matters yeah, and like i said they have the third best defense and so they've, they've in 20 games this year they've only scored 26 goals but they've only given up 16. Um, the team with the fourth best defense is Malaga. <laughs> yeah. So it's not like Kameni is getting lit up there. So there's a reason why Memo's on the bench. But yeah. Oh Memo. Uh, to close out the Europeos, let's go over to uh, PSV. They got Capitan Andres Guardado and Hector Moreno just doing their steady, normal, normal things. Doing Andres Guardado, El Principito things. He's got, he had another assist this weekend. Yeah, it was actually quite a big game. I said it was second versus third in in the league against Feyenoord this past weekend, and and they got the win. So. It's not like they were playing some mid-table Dutch team who they usually cruise against. Uh, it was Feyenoord. I think Feyenoord, uh, stylistically speaking, Feyenoord have been the better team in, in, in the Dutch league, but they're third. They're probably going to stay third to, to PSV and Ajax, but uh, but PSV got, got the job done. They, they got the points, and, and they're still in the title race. Uh, that's another title race to keep an eye out for. Uh, Ajax is still currently top of the league, but uh, it's not impossible for PSV to go ahead and, and 
and overtake Ajax and, and win the league again. That's uh, that's going to be interesting to see as to how it unfolds. Uh, PSB have the knack of dropping points against these smaller teams sometimes, um, but it, it, it's doable. Uh, like uh, like with the other teams, like we like we talked about by Leverkusen in the Champions League. I think PSV and winning the league is not something that is impossible, uh, and it's very doable. And Hector Moreno and Andres Guardado are at the center of it. They're uh, the top players at PSV. Um, or I would say the two of the top players at PSB because they, they do have a couple interesting prospects in their team as well. Uh, but we'll see. I, I think that uh, it's going to go down to the wire, and I wouldn't be surprised if I see PSB lifting the title. Uh, the only issue is that because they have such a, a young squad that, just gets depleted every year as they sell every players. Um, they still have uh, the Champions League to look forward to. Yeah, let's not forget. So that might be sort of, uh, you know, an extra game or so where uh, it, it gets interesting. The fatigue becomes a factor and stuff like that, and they'll have to concentrate on uh, on one tournament. Uh, they don't have the squad depth to to play two tournaments to, uh, and Atletico Madrid is not exactly the easiest opponent. Oh no. So we'll see how, how Koku manages, uh, these, these next few weeks or Champions League starts next month. Yeah. They, they don't, they play Atletico Madrid on the 24th of February. So they got a month basically from now until then. And, uh, yeah. should be good. They've, they advance. Um, Jimenez advance. Um, Olympiacos oh no, did not advance, correct? No. That small team from England took them out, right? Yeah. From Arsenal. London, yeah. Arsenal, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, excited. I'm excited for Europa League, too. Chicharito, you got Porto. Although, although Porto plays the way they've been playing, I'm not too excited. Yeah. But, all right, well. Let's go over to uh, Liga MX. Only two two weeks into Liga MX, and the current team in first place is Leon and Monterrey. They both got six six points, and dead last, Querétaro, zero points and a negative three goal difference. Yeah, yeah, I'm not entirely surprised. I think, I think we knew coming into the season that uh, it was do or die for Monterrey, who who's currently second, as you said. Uh, I've been impressed just because they they have such a strong team, um, but Leon is again Leon did quite well last season. They started the season really well as well, but yeah, with Querétaro, I'm a bit surprised because uh, they have a talented team. I think Busatich is an amazing manager. He's had time to work with these players. Uh, they got rid of a few players like Dalinho, who you know, Bucetich sort of had beef with. So he got rid of the bad blood on the team uh, and brought in some interesting players. Some players like Yasser Corona came back from injury, uh, makes the defensive line uh, or the race for the starting spot in the defensive line a bit more competitive. Um, yeah, it, it's entirely surprising that Querétaro right now has zero points. Uh, but... I'm not entirely surprised about Leon or Monterrey. Club America, who 
we criticized so much on the first week is it's still unbeaten. With, I mean, it's only two games, but they're third with four points. So uh, well, I think... Still, that leads to my next question. Uh, always wonderful question. Who's going to fire their manager first, Club America or Chivas? <laughs> well, I think it's going to be Club America. If, if it happens, it's going to be Club America. I don't, I don't think they'll fire their manager this, this upcoming season. Or, or while the season's playing out, I, I don't see Almeida and Ambris leaving the job, you know, in Siete or, or, you know, the seventh week or eighth week or whatever. Um, but uh, I think this is pretty much Ambris with Club America. It's inconsistency. I know they have four points, but most America fans would expect them to have six points and be perfect by now. Uh, and I think it's it's just a perfect symbol of what Ambris is. They're, there's going to be patchy games where just just going to be disappointing, and then there's going to be games where like wow they don't play that bad under Ambris like they did against Atlas. Uh, but if they have the team, they they certainly have the team to be in the league. Yeah, so that's uh, America is not a team we we can sleep on for uh, just because it's Club America and and we know what they're capable of. Uh, but talking about Chivas, they're two straight draws. Disappointing it, draws. It's well. The first I, draw. The first draw. They. I thought that they controlled the game. I thought they had that game. In week I, one. The the Arsenal fan in me would say, uh, Chivas has been playing great. I, I think they they've played phenomenal. I think it's they gotta put they gotta put the performance together for ninety minutes. Yeah, and that's that's the issue. That's where I was heading at. But uh, stylistically, uh, it's different. It's Matias Almeida trying to trying to be a bit different, playing with a very high line, uh, having these guys constantly in motion and running. But it doesn't work if the players are just dozing off by the 40th minute and just tired and done. It looks like they're, uh, I think by by the 40th minute at the Stadio Sul, they just weren't running anymore. Or Berlin Pinella was there. Castro looked like you know he just didn't know what was going on. Uh, I think Castro was subbed off in, in the second half just because he was just having an awful second half. Uh, there was nothing going on. There was no movement. It looked like the game plan was just thrown to the trash. Uh, and I, I remember making that comment that uh, if Mexican players could just keep that concentration for 90 minutes, we make the World Cup semifinals every four years. Because what Matias Almeida is trying to do with Chivas is just is great. You see it for the first 15 minutes and you think, wow, Chivas is playing really well. But then they just completely die off. It, I, I don't know how to explain it. Uh, I mean, part of it is because uh, let's not forget it's just the second week of play. These these guys just came from preseason, so so that explains it. But yeah, I mean it's week uh, two, but that's you but, know everything we're saying. Hey guys, it's week two, but at the same time, it's the you know this the problem with these short seasons. It's week but, two, but hey, we're you know <laughs> it's only like ten more what, ten more games or whatever's left in the season. Yeah, but I think talking about you specifically. The goals they have conceded have have come directly from just stupid mistakes. Yep. Just, you know, it hasn't been something that that we say the team was just really good and they scored a goal. No, it's just mistakes Chivas made. Uh, they just need to have their head in the game for ninety minutes because they got the style down. Uh, they have the ability. They're technically one of the better teams in the league, or just because of the sheer talent they have. They got good. They have. Yeah, what do you uh, think the, Pineda and Gullit have done? 
Yeah, it's interesting because uh, I think Godet was really good for the first game, and in the second game, he sort of just uh, yeah. died off a bit. He he wasn't as influential. Uh, but Orbelin Pineda played played quite well the first few minutes, and that's when he scored the goal. But after that, Orbelin Pineda just disappeared. Uh, I think it had more to do with uh, Jesse Strader Castro not not doing his job. It's kind of tough when you're trying to transfer the ball up from the defense from from the defensive lineup to the midfield, which is what. Matias Almeida is trying to do. He's he's trying to play this attractive brand of brand of football that that we don't see much in in the Iron Yankees. Uh, but I I don't know. I don't see Matias Almeida getting fired. I think he's doing a really good job. It, it's just a matter of the players keeping their head in for the ninety minutes. Like I said, I think if Vergara fires Almeida, this might be the, his worst decision. Oh yeah, in a while. definitely. Uh, that but, says a lot. It's not entirely the player's fault. I think as a coach, Matias Almeida also has to to recognize, you know, the, what's what's good about playing pretty if you, if you don't get the wins. Uh, uh, this is coming from an Arsenal fan who <laughs> we have a coach who just is obsessed with playing, uh, you know, really nice, attractive football. But you know, what what's the point of it if if you don't get any wins? Uh, but the good thing is, after I went on this huge rant about Chivas. Uh, and these mistakes are, are are fixable. It's not something that uh, that is out of the ordinary. I think the only issue Chivas might have is they just don't have a, a very good defensive midfielder. Uh, Israel Castro is on the older side, and Same he's thing just with a, yeah. And Salcido was brought into the second half, and uh, rather than stick to Matias Almeida, was just throwing long balls all over the place. It was like, wow, you just can't hold the ball and give a short pass because he's just launching them all over the place. Uh, and I think mistakes in the middle, uh, giving away the ball or not keeping it, I think that uh, you know that, that leads to, to pressure, which leads to those mistakes yeah. in the back. You're completely right. Uh, but it's, it's a long season. I think Chivas, at the end of the day, it, for them it's about uh, escaping relegation as much as we like to avoid that that subject or Chivas fans like to avoid it. Um, it's about salvation and looking down the table, Dorales is not doing very well. They have zero points after two games. So regardless, they're going to Chivas. Yeah. Chivas will be fine. Yeah. Although the fans will, won't accept that until they know for sure. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, Liga, I'm just so glad Liga MX is back. They got those Friday night games because you know I'm not going out anyways, so I'm gonna stay in and watch those. <laughs> yeah. I just wish I, right. I just wish that my TV guide wouldn't lie to me and say that. Oh yeah, you got Azteca on HD because it's not HD, my friends. <laughs> no, we're talking about Azteca. Santos played through Azteca, and I liked, I liked what I saw from Santos. Talking about Matias Almeida, uh, we have another young Argentine manager in. And uh, Subeldia, I think that's how you say his name. Um, they, I, I saw it. Uh, I looked at the game, and, and I could see his influence on that team. Uh, normally, when when you see a manager take over a team, you're like, okay, well, it's a slow process. Uh, we'll we'll eventually see it in week five or something. But after two weeks, I saw it. Uh, I think I saw what what he was trying to do with Santos Laguna, and, and I was impressed. It it wasn't. An exciting match by by any means. It, it wasn't something that had you at the edge of the seat, uh, out of your seat. And uh, it, but they got the job done. They got the one zero win. Um, 
defensively speaking, I thought they were solid. It, it was one of the more, uh, one of the brightest defensive performances I've seen from from a team in a long time in the Iron Yankees. Uh, and Chapas is not an easy team, which is the team they played. Ricardo Valverde's in charge. Uh, he has that distinct style of play. Uh, but I was very impressed with Santos Laguna, uh, with Ravelo, who who I think uh, was a bit disappointing. I know a lot of people disagree with me, but he was a bit disappointing last season. That, Chilean, young Chilean midfielder, but he was phenomenal on on Friday. He was just grabbing the ball. He was doing everything. He he was just starting play from all from all aspects of the field. I thought it was his his best game in Liga Mekis yet. Uh, so Santos Laguna is one team to to keep an eye out keep an eye out for this season because uh, if they keep continuing to improve, I can see them in the Liga uh, despite a, a very disappointing last season. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and uh, our boy Davila got seven minutes. Yeah. So Davila started. I'm not came in as a sub, but yeah. progress. Yeah. <laughs> um, anything else we want to touch on Liga Max before we go to some questions? No, everything's pretty much for the. Ta- you just need to look at the league table and you got a pretty good picture of who's doing well and who's doing bad. Yeah. Cholos um, is still undefeated, so my prediction of Miguel Herrera. Doing well is. That's your pick. Yeah, that's my pick. Uh, Pachuca still undefeated as well, so we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. It's early. Um, yeah. So I asked the fans for some questions. Uh, pretty much, I've just been talking this. I know Chivas kind of in a little bit of posi- in a position where they don't have to deal with this as much, but it's been a lot of talk about the foreigners and the naturalizados and all that in Liga MX. What are your thoughts on that issue? I know it's a wide wide issue but yeah I honestly personally I really don't care uh, I do think it's it's a bit sketchy when you pick a player for a certain position where there's already a Mexican player with the ability or potential to be a better player than that than the player chosen if I'm making sense like I think somebody made the, the example of Dario Benedetto uh, I don't know if we need a guy like Dario Benedetto on the team. Uh, as good as Dario Benedetto has been, I think we have enough strikers in in Raul Jimenez and in Chicharito, uh, even the younger guys who who I think have more potential uh, to actually be in the Mexico national team and make a difference. But I, I personally really don't care. Um, I don't know if there's a position that comes to mind where I think we immediately need somebody. It doesn't matter who it is. Uh, I think one position might be the left center back because there's just such a lack of left-footed center backs in in Mexico. Alanis is one of them, and he's always injured. Uh, he's terrible with the national team. <laughs> he could yeah. be he could be Liga MX defender of the year. You put him. And a well, I'd say green, but Mexico doesn't wear green anymore. You put him in a black or white Mexico kit, and it's just like I don't know what I'm doing. Well, Anis is one of them. I think nobody's gonna bench Hector Moreno. That's obvious. No, because he's a star left footed center back in our team. But other than that, there, there's nobody. I, I made uh, I made sure to shout out uh, Nestor Araujo, who who was brilliant last season despite Santos' horrible season. He's one center back who who's left footed and. Uh, hasn't had much attention around him. Maybe that's somebody Osorio will take a look at. 
but I, I don't know if there's a natural position where I'm like, okay, we need somebody in there who it doesn't matter who it is or if he's not even Mexican or whatever. But I, I personally really don't care. I don't know about you. Uh, I'm in the same boat for the national team. I, it's if they're Mexican citizens and they can play and they want to play for Mexico, okay. But it's almost like you're saying like you like the U.S. I feel like Jurgen Klinsmann. It's like if these guys are both the same, one of them's German and he plays in Germany. All right, let's let's pick him. You know, that's that's what I think you're you're saying. You don't want like if there's someone who's Mexic who is quote unquote more Mexican or and he's and he's playing that same position. There's no need to call anyone else up. Well, yeah, there's sort of that, and I think sometimes we just don't have faith in in, oh, yes, in, in our players. Um, I think in terms of Liga MX and foreigners, I think what they should bring back is that rule they used to have where there were that Mexican teams would have to give a certain number of minutes to U21 players. Yeah. And I, I don't blame the clubs at all. Like, I don't blame Club America or any other teams that, you know, relies on foreign players that eventually become Mexican citizens through the rules. I don't blame them for doing – because that's just a club. They're, they're doing what the best they can with yeah. the rules. What I do is I blame the FMF who should come in and say, hey, this is the rules. Follow them. And make, you know, a certain number of minutes for U21 guys because then – it kind of forces teams to be like, okay, let's let's try. Let's it's it incentivizes teams to play and to develop Mexican players. Cuz it's like, hey, we have to we have to play this some guy from the academy, U21 guy, certain yeah. number of minutes. Whereas whereas, you know, they could be like, all right, well, let's develop players and we'll take advantage of this rule, you know. Yeah, you're right. So, I think that it comes down to the federation. I don't blame the clubs at all. Like, hey, you want to sign these guys in a couple of years as those citizens? That's fine. But you, I put no blame on the clubs. as the federation has to step in and say, hey, you know, we need to take these rules, you know, have these rules to incentivize playing. Younger I mean, the other thing for – no, go ahead. Because what incentive do they have to play these Mexican young players? You know, we, we joke about all these coaches getting in fire all the time. Well, if I'm a coach – and I know this thirty-two-year-old Argentina guy is gonna do a better job than this twenty-one-year-old kid from my academy. Well, you know what? I'm gonna play the other guy because I might be fired if I lose two games in a row. Yeah, no, you're completely right. But the other thing for me is just really, to be honest, there there isn't an extranjero out there that that absolutely blows my mind. And I think, wow, let's sign him up. It doesn't matter. Let's make him a citizen right now. Uh, the players who who are already talented and, and doing amazing things in the Yankees are already national team members for for their national teams. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if Edwin Cardona was not already with the Colombian national team, I'd be like, okay, let's make a Mexican. Let's put a sombrero on him already. <laughs> let's get him in the national team right now. I, I don't care about any rules. I don't care about what the law says. I want him in the Mexico national team. And the people, but, who, and the people who say, oh, well, well, I wouldn't enjoy, or or the people who pose the question, would you enjoy if Mexico won the title and our best player was a naturalizado? I'd be like, look at Germany; half their team is from Turkey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but again, it's it just, I don't know. I think Benedetto's the the big one. I think that's the guy a lot of people are bringing up nowadays. Uh, even Benedetto, I don't know if he's he doesn't a guy make my with, game day eighteen for Mexico. Yeah, I mean, for some people, I guess it does, but 
A Club America fan? Yeah. Uh, yeah I like, I'm a Club America fan. I still wouldn't play him. I don't know if... Yeah. I, again, I the players who I think just are amazing are already playing for their national team. And that speaks a lot about about what the Liga Mekis is. you got players like Edwin Cardona who who might not start for the Colombian national team, but at the very least are, are constantly in the national team. Uh, that means that we it's a league with high-quality players, but uh, again, there, there isn't that one player that just completely, that I'm sold on, that I'm like, okay, well, let's go ahead, give them Mexican citizenship and start them in the Mexico national team. Yep. I think there's uh, two issues to this. I think it's people look at it from the national team where it's like, there's no where, like you're saying. Oh, there's no guy I'd rather put in. You know, any Natalizados for the national team. But then it's also like, for instance, we like we've mentioned this before that the U23 team is pretty good, but there's no forwards. Yeah. But then you look around. It's like, well, there's no U23 Mexican strikers actually playing in Liga MX consistently. Yeah. So I mm-hmm. think. That's how the foreigner issue affects the national team by like these young guys not playing. So I think it's up to the federation to make a couple rules, and just to like improve certain aspects like Copa MX. Like that's kind of a joke sometimes. Wasn't well, he? And then like the second the second division. I've been saying this for a while. Like if at the FMF improved the quality of play in the second division, I think more coaches, bigger clubs would be like, all right, let me send my players to play out there on loan. Like, See, what, what good is a uh, what good is uh, Espericueta gonna do playing for my U twenty team in like the fourth division? You know, like yeah. he would be better served going to some good second division team. And if Duca had any, if Duca had any faith that he he's gonna develop playing for this guy this team in the second division, that would you know that would give him more opportunities going forward. Well, the the sense of makes is not. A bad league per se. There's a lot of uh, Central American internationals who play there, um, but I, I see your point here. Uh, just to just to summarize everything, it reminds me a lot of uh, what is, what's happening in England. They have yeah. a very similar situation, just with the influx of foreigners coming into their teams, just because they have the money to buy all these players, and just how it affects the national team. Uh, the one thing what, that is kind of crazy to me about the English situation is that literally nobody, no English players ever play outside of England, basically. Yeah. It's insane. But one thing I noticed about England is uh, they don't have a world-class striker, per se, but they always seem to find these strikers just you know, 26, 27 years old who weren't very bright at 20 or 21 or 22 but they're scoring goals all of a sudden. I think that's interesting because it looks like Mexico's heading towards that place where uh, you got guys like Oribe Peralta. I was going to say Oribe Peralta. Yeah, who peak very late in their careers, who might not look like they're going to be you know, the next big thing at, at 21, 22. But at 27, they just start scoring goals left and right. Uh, maybe that's something that will happen in Liga Mekis and the Mexico national team. Uh, you got guys in, in England like... Like Vardy, who, I mean, who knew who he was like two years ago? And now, who knew who he was like six months ago? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and now he, he potentially could be in the Euros for England. Uh, it, it's just a weird way. It's, I guess it's just modern football. Yeah. That's how it works. Well, the, that's the one thing with England. They got such a good 
you know, second, third, fourth division. Or yeah. Not necessarily good, but at least strong, where you know these clubs aren't going to go. Where I feel like in, in uh, second division in Mexico, it's like these clubs go under every other year, you know? Yeah, and I got a lot of uh, beef because I said on my personal account that uh, I don't want Juarez to, to get promoted. I think it's just sketchy. I think it's uh, you're getting into really muddy waters when a team that was just founded literally a few months ago is already playing Liga Mekis. I mean, wasn't uh, that some, kind of a similar situation with Cholos? Yeah, yeah. Cho- it happened with Cholos. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. It it's just disrupts the balance of things. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it's the best thing that can happen. Uh, but again, that, that's just modern football. I guess. All right. Well, to close out the pod, we had a question from Joel Tena. He says, are we as Liga MX slash L3 fans too hard on MLS? What will it take for us to take the MLS more seriously? Also, he says, is it MLS or the MLS? Discuss. First of all, it's MLS. It's not the MLS. (laughs) Yeah. Say that to any... You know, decent MLS fan, and they'll stop you and be like, "It's yeah. MLS, not the MLS." But um, I think Mexico fans are too hard on MLS. I'm not saying the MLS is, you know, up to, you know, Liga MX standards, but it's not like it's yeah. that far. I don't. Well, you know, you're you follow MLS, and I I cover LA Galaxy, so uh, I guess this is a really good question, actually, to be honest. Uh, I disagree with you a little. Uh, I know I see week in and week out when MLS is on. Uh, I see the product that's on the field, and I'd say they're they're still quite a bit far. And I've mentioned this in the podcast. I still. Oh yeah, I st- but I'm saying in terms of Mexico fans are just way too hard on it. They they act like it's like pickup games sometimes. <laughs> yeah, well I agree, uh, but in terms of the product that I see that MLS puts out every week. I mean, Liga MX is just oh, brilliant. Yeah. It's no comparison whatsoever to what MLS puts out, with all due respect to, to MLS. But I, I do think we're, we're a bit hard. I think people should embrace it a bit more. Uh, it's There's some really good players, and uh, you can... I mean, myself, uh, I didn't really get into the whole MLS and just how it works until I started covering LA Galaxy. Uh, then when you start attending these these trainings and, and get to know a little bit more of the structure of the club, uh, you realize that this is why some players come to the U.S. and say, you know, there's there's a good structure behind it. You know, forget about debates about relegation and promotion and oh, salary caps there, and all that stuff <laughs> that you know, the regular MLS folks just to argue for hours and hours. Just forget years about that. <laughs> yeah, but uh, the structure of this team, the youth academies, just the sheer amount of investment that some of these clubs like Galaxy, like FC Dallas, who who brought in a lot of these younger youngsters from local youngsters from Texas and just brought them into this academy and giving them uh, this amazing education. It's happening with LA Galaxy as well. I would go out on a limb uh, and say LA Galaxy have a bigger budget than Villarreal. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, I'm fairly certain I am based on some numbers I've seen. <laughs> and this this hits home because uh, I grew up in in, in LA, and uh, a lot of times you see that there's a lot of talent in, on the streets. There's guys who don't get chan- who who don't get a chance to play professionally. Uh, 
Galaxy is one team that uh, is investing a lot into their academy. They're, they're bringing a lot of these local kids uh, who who are getting the chance to play for for LA Galaxy. Uh, there was some words just uh, a few days ago or so where uh, I think it was Bruce Arena who said the reason we passed on our draft picks is because they just don't compete with what we have in our academy. And they're uh, and they're doing it right with low stars. Yeah, exactly. And again, this hits home because I'm I'm an L3 fan. I, I'm Mexican American. I grew up in LA. Uh, I see. I, I go into training. Uh, you know, every week or so when, when Galaxy is in the middle of the season, and I see all these Mexican American kids in their academy, and it's like, wow, you know, we're, we're I feel sort of some pride, some happiness in that. You know, these guys are like me, and they grew up in LA like me, and and they're having the opportunity to play for or and live their dreams and play professionally. Uh, you know, it, not yet, but it, it's the first step to take to to play professionally. And don't uh, don't underestimate the effect that Geo playing there is going to have for the exactly. Galaxy. We've spoken about this in a podcast before, so it's something that that I feel happy for and. It's something that I didn't appreciate until I started covering LA Galaxy, uh, and I started to to get to know a little bit more about what goes around behind the scenes and stuff like that. Uh, but just because of that, I think uh, if you're Mexican American and you get you're fortunate enough to live uh, next to a team like FC Dallas, for example, or LA Galaxy or San Jose Earthquakes, uh, where there's cities where there's high population of Mexican Americans. Uh, you know, I urge you to go ahead and, and watch these games. Uh, I know the product isn't there yet. Uh, I mean, I'm being completely honest with you guys. I mean, I'd rather watch a Sholos game than than most Galaxy games. But uh, it starts somewhere, and uh, just that aspect alone that you know a lot of these kids who who grew up like me or grew up like you uh, are getting the chance to to portray their skills and get a chance to play professionally in the future. Uh, just take to heart that you know you're doing something to to invest in in their futures uh, by going to the stadium and watching these games. Uh, I think that's that's the only thing uh, that I have to say just about the fans, just the general fans who might have some sort of um, doubts about the league and you know and just dismiss. I think it. There, we talked about it before, and you've brought it up too. There's several things that's good for Mexico that the yeah. MLS is doing. The MLS yeah. that MLS is doing well. There's so many things that Liga MX can pick up from MLS, like all the social media, all the reaching out stuff. Like, man, it. it I think the better, uh, the better MLS gets, the better Liga MX has to get, and I think that's what we want as Mexico fans. Yeah, you're completely right. Uh, I mean, look at the oh. Yinyak coming to uh, Tigres. Tigres. Yeah, I think that's kind of a, almost like a little bit of a response to all these. Other guys, oh, let's go to let's go to MLS. It's like, well, you know, Liga MX has a more buying power. So, yeah, it's it's practically if you see it in a business sense, competitiveness, you know, breeds excellence. Yeah, that's that's what we want. Uh, we want a, a strong MLS. We want teams that can go to toe to toe with Liga MX teams, and, and that brings improvement. Uh, I I see it happening, but. Just like you said, there's stuff Liga Mekis can learn from MLS. There's stuff MLS can learn from Liga Mekis. So oh, we'll see. It's it, it's certainly fun if, if you're on both sides, uh, like myself, just watching everything unfold. It, it, it's quite fun. And again, I urge 
those who have some sort of doubt to actually go to the stadium and watch one of these games if you're fortunate enough to, to live in a place that has an, an MLS team. And I guess for the second part of that question, what will it take for Liga MX Mexico fans to take MLS more seriously? I don't know because the only direct competition we have is CONCACAF Champions League and sometimes people don't really don't even care about that until it's the semifinals. So I don't know. Well, for me, I just gave a whole speech. I think that's the key, just uh, addressing that Mexican-American population through reading these young Mexican-American yeah, well, that's, kids. That's a good point. Uh, Jesse Gonzalez, I mean, he had a that one penalty shootout and you know, everybody was talking about him. Uh, it, it's no coincidence. It, it's something we can relate to. And where did he come uh, through? Academy. Yeah, FC Dallas. And I'm waiting, it, for, it isn't, I'm waiting to see who's going to be that first quote-unquote Mexican star that was actually born in that is actually born in the U.S. I'm waiting for that. Yeah. That's going to be interesting. See, for me, it's, you know, if if they look like me, they talk like me, they act like me, I'm, I'm more likely to, to go ahead and watch it, you know? That's the issue with, or, or that's what would happen with Jesse Gonzalez. A lot, a lot of us can, can relate to Jesse Gonzalez and we're like, wow, Jesse Gonzalez was just you know, unbeatable for FC Dallas. Yeah. I have to watch. Yeah. Uh, and that's the that, thing, that you can watch every game. Every MLS game is available. Yeah. None of this, oh, there's a TV deal with this company. They have to play on this time, on this day. It's like, it's all one package. You can buy, <laughs> you can pay 50 bucks a year and watch every game. Yeah. So... All right, man. It's been a long podcast. Good podcast. Anything you yeah. want to touch on before we head out? No, everything was great. I really liked that last question. It was really good. Yeah, it's, I feel we can spend a whole podcast yeah, episode on exactly. this question alone. So thanks, uh, Joel, for that question. Um, anything else? You can reach me at underscore bones on Twitter or at the colorful kit, Rafa. Uh, Mexicanfoot.com on Twitter. Uh, that's where where you can find everything, and we're working on FMF State of Mind as well. Yeah, look for some more activity on that account. Um, thanks for listening, guys. Have a good weekend.